Hi, my name is Chris Lamont, New South Wales Small Business Commissioner. Welcome to Talking Business. The surge in petrol prices are a major concern for households and business. Not only is there the direct cost impact, but high fuel prices are flowing through to the price of many other business inputs, leading to rising inflation and the reduction in profit margins. Today we are hoping to help you get a clearer picture of how the market for petrol and other automotive fuel work, the outlook for prices and whether there is anything small business can do to save money. I'm speaking with Mark McKenzie, CEO of Australasian Convenience and Petroleum Marketers Association. Welcome to Talking Business, Mark. G'day, Chris. Mark, uh, we're seeing and we're experiencing record petrol prices and diesel prices. Are these prices here to stay? Well, the short answer, Chris, is I hope not. Um, But I suppose the two things we've got to realise here is that our market, and it's a global market, has been impacted by two years of a global pandemic. In fact, we're in year three and counting. And also the biggest conflict in Europe that we've seen in 75 years. What that has done is to create pressure on the supply of oil and finished fuel products. And because it's a global market, we've actually got increased competition, which has been reflected in the trading market. And it's that tightness and the unprecedented nature of the Russia-Ukraine conflict that has actually driven up oil prices at the moment. But we're sitting here now in the middle of July and we're starting to see some relief uh, in that end. And we're also starting to see the trading market, about half the market is predicting that recessionary fears towards the end of this year will start to put downward pressure on oil prices. So I suppose the short answer is it's not here to stay, but how long it continues is still a little bit of an unknown question at the moment. Yeah, sometimes we we sort of get a little bit confused, I think, in terms of how to understand the price fluctuations and the fuel price cycle. Can you you give some further intel on how that actually works and, and what motorists and businesses might see from one fortnight to the next? Yeah, it's a great question, Chris, and it's something we get a lot of confusion about. So global oil prices and global refining prices, now we import 80% of our diesel and 60% of our motor spirit, which is the petrol grades, is all impacted by what the global cycle does. And for service stations, what that typically does is it, it affects the wholesale price that our industry pays to buy the fuel, remembering that two-thirds of the service stations in our industry are operated by small business. What then occurs is on the retail end, we have a local market phenomenon. It typically only occurs in the big capital city markets, so cities other than Hobart, Darwin and Canberra, where we basically see the service stations compete with each other for fuel volume. So what they're seeking to do and what all service stations seek to do is to keep their volume up because it reduces the unit price that they pay over time, but also if you've got a service station that sells lots of fuel, then the value of that site is higher than one that sells a lower volume of fuel. So they're getting involved in this thing called a discount price cycle, where effectively what happens is I start at a starting price, let's just say that's $2, and then you decide that you need to compete with me, so you drop by a cent, then I drop by a cent, then you drop by a cent, the guy down the street drops by a cent, And so you get involved in this game of discount leapfrog. Now, that game occurs over a three, four or five week period. It's pretty well unpredictable. 
and it's different in different markets. So Sydney, which is a, a discrete market, will behave different to Melbourne, will behave different to Brisbane. But what happens is we keep racing down to the bottom till one of us says, well, this is a mugs game. I'm selling below my wholesale price. And so what I do is I go back up. And I go back up not just to the level I normally would be would go to. I seek to recover what I've lost in the last week or so. And then the whole price cycle starts again. So two big things to remember. The global prices affect the wholesale price, which is my starting point for the petrol price cycle. But the petrol price cycles in our capital cities move around due to the intensity of market competition. And they can vary over a three, four and five week cycle from a low of um, about 30 cents lower than the high point in the cycle. And what about, so we've seen the, the Aussie dollar um, lose value against the US. I think we were just below 70 cents yesterday. That plays a role too, does it? Absolutely, because as I mentioned before, we buy finished fuel product that is petrol and diesel and oil is sold in US dollars. So oil and fuel is priced in US dollars, but we pay in Australian dollars. So often people look at it and say, look, we were at $120 a barrel back in 2014. How come we're back at that same level yet fuel prices are higher? Well, the big answer there is the exchange rate. Because back at that period, we were close to 92 cents in the dollar. Whereas as you've rightly mentioned, we've been, we're down at 70 and we've been down to 67 cents. So oil is effectively, oil and fuel are sold in US dollars, but we pay in Australian dollars. And that's mm. why the exchange rate will actually impact the wholesale price service stations pay. Now, you mentioned before that um, two thirds of, of service stations or petrol stations are, are small business. How are they faring against the majors? Well, I suppose the, the key thing here is, as you rightly said, two-thirds are small businesses and they compete with the bigger brands. This is obviously something that people tend to get fairly confused with because they six, six or seven big brands and think it's all the big companies. But a lot of our service stations operate either under a commission agency arrangement, which is sort of like a franchise except they don't buy the fuel stock, uh, or they're a dealer business that's operating where they enter a supply agreement and they basically um, get the right to display the brand. So instead of being Mark McKenzie Fuel or Chris Lamont Fuels, um, I can present a big brand like BP or Viva and Exxon. Um, effectively, what happens here is at a retail level, they all compete with each other, uh, whether that's a company owned or a small business site. But clearly, the company owned have bigger pockets and so their bigger issue is they've got greater cash reserves to be able to weather through the highs and lows of price volatility. For small business, the big problem they've actually got is just operating cash flow at times like this. If we go back to the period in March, for instance, there was a 20 cent a litre difference in the wholesale price between Monday and Friday. Now, what that means for me as a service station is for my delivery on Friday, I've got to find $8,000 more for that delivery, $8,000 more than I did on the Monday. So the principal problem that small business have in this space is basically managing cash flow in the face of very volatile wholesale prices. So Mark, is there anything small business owners or operators can do to get a better deal on fuel prices? Absolutely, Chris. And it's really about navigating the system. 
So the first thing you can actually do, if, if you're a tradie, for instance, that's burning a fair bit of fuel or, you know, a single truck operator, then effectively the first thing to do is to actually have a chat to your local server about whether you can get a fuel card or an account. Most of those mechanisms actually charge you at the end of the month or at the end of the fortnight on the basis of the average. So rather than the highest price on the day, you actually pay the average across the month. And it tends to smooth it out so you're not exposed to the peaks of the cycle. So that's the first thing uh, that people can actually do. The second thing is understand the fuel price cycle. So I think there's a, a key thing here that people tend to think, and they still tell me, Chris, they're blue in the face, that the petrol price goes up every Tuesday. It doesn't, and it hasn't for 20 years. So basically what you need to do is to be able to understand the fuel price cycle and avoid buying at the top of the cycle. A couple of good mechanisms that would allow you to do that. The first is to actually have a look at informed sources. Just Google that and look at live petrol prices. And it will show you where we are in the cycle um, as at the end of yesterday. Um, the ACCC also provides a copy of those curves. So you can actually see what the shape is doing. And it's a bit like a wave. You can actually generally predict when you might hit the bottom of the cycle. But the other indication in terms of a cycle ending is when you drive around and you see that petrol prices have started to go up by 25 to 30 cents a litre, that's generally a pretty good indication that the cycle is coming to an end. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's important to remember in that, though, that not all service stations go up at the same time. So typically it will take six, seven or eight days for most service stations to follow to the top. Because if I've been a service station that's suffered a little bit with volume during the last cycle, then when I, I will hold my price lower for longer. Hmm. And so the, the key thing here is when you're driving past and seeing that big price difference, that's the time to fill up before everyone goes to the top of the cycle. And the third thing to do is to basically use your fuel price apps. New South Wales government's got a great one called Fuel Watch. These provide prices in real time for all product, petrol and diesel. Um, one of the things that's often not understood is when we see the price in the news, typically the price that's being quoted is an average. But because all these businesses are different, they're different size, some people own their sites, some people lease, some people get a lot of money from non-fuel sales, chips, chocks and drinks, others don't they all price slightly differently. And there's generally a 10 to 12 to 15 cent a litre difference in the same area. So I'm not talking different parts of Sydney, but in the same area, you might actually find um, that the prices will actually vary markedly, both in capital city and regional areas. And using the Fuel Watch app allows you to identify the service station that's charging the lowest price for fuel. And that's another way of saving yourself uh, on the fill. No, that's good advice, Mark. Thank you for that. I want to change gear a little bit um, and let's let's get the crystal ball out. Um, what do you think is going to happen when the temporary excise cut ends on the 28th of September? Oh, this, as you say, this very much is crystal ball. Um, so the key thing to identify here first is the excise is a government tax that is charged per volume, per litre of fuel. It has nothing to do what the price does. So if I'm at $1.50 a litre, um, before the cut it was 44.2 cents a litre. Uh, at the same time, if the price had gone up to $2 a litre, I'm still paying 44.2 cents a litre excise. 
as distinct from the GST, which runs over the top. So what we saw on the 30th of March is the federal government actually cut the excise in half from 44.2 to 22.1. And that remains at that low point until the end of six months, which is midnight on the 28th of September. And so effectively what that means is on the 29th of September, we will start to see prices go up by that equivalent excise, which is 22 cents a litre plus the two cents GST. Now, really important point here, because we have a whole lot of fuel that will have been sold prior to midnight on the 28th of September, which has a lower excise, what you're going to see is significant variation because the volume of fuel that's in the ground will effectively be sold at that lower rate until I've replaced my fuel volume with the next higher embedded excise fuel. And if you're in a country air, that could be five to seven days. So in the same way that when the excise was first cut, it took a couple of days for the price to come down, the same thing should happen as the price comes out. And so that's the time to be really clear about shopping around uh, to make sure that you're buying fuel at the cheapest possible rate. So, Mark, the second of the, the crystal ball questions, we hear a lot about electric vehicles. Will petrol stations become charging stations in the next 10 years or so? I mean, ultimately they will, Chris, although probably not over 10 years. Our horizon we're looking at is probably more like 15 to 20. The majority of cars that people are buying now are going to be charged in the home, and we expect that will continue as more and more of those vehicles uh, are actually sold into the fleet. What we're looking at at the moment is putting in what we call ultra-fast chargers. So these are high-powered chargers, somewhere around 200, 250 kilowatts, which compares to about 20 kilowatts you might get in a home or about 40 kilowatts you might get in a shopping centre that allow you to fully recharge the vehicle within, 40, within 15 minutes for 400k range. We're playing with those now, and we've got some early uh, market adopters, particularly Ampol, BP, Viva are playing in that space as well, where we're starting to see just pilots of these things occur. But the big challenge for us, Chris, is those systems require very powerful connections with the grid. So the few that have been installed to date, we're actually finding that we're having to spend three hundred to 400000 off the site to improve the network coming into the service station site. And those prices are just prohibitive. But I think the key thing for us at the moment is we will move as more and more of the vehicles that are actually sold into the market become EVs. At the moment, less than 1% of all vehicles sold or new vehicles sold are actually EVs. And they account for less than 1.1% of the 15.6 million vehicles that are operating in the country at the moment. So our issue here is we'll adapt and invest in that adaption as more and more of the fleet changes. But at the moment, it's still a petrol and diesel fleet and therefore the majority of service stations will concentrate on that in the near term. Thanks. Look, thank you for your time today, Mark. That's been illuminating and I think um, touched on many issues that small businesses have been grappling with, particularly over the last six to 12 months. A pleasure, Chris. Thanks for the opportunity to just give a bit of insight about how our industry works. Uh, Excellent. I'm Chris Lamont. Thanks for listening. We'll return soon with another episode of Talking Business.